everyone. Welcome to the Revolution Podcast. We're the high school ministry at the church at Rocky Peak, and we'd love for you to join us in person on Saturday nights at 530. For more info about the ministry and upcoming events, find us on Instagram at HSRevolution. We hope you enjoy this time of teaching from God's Word. Hey, what's good, Revolution? We still doing well this evening? Hey, it is... Thank you, Mr. Blake. Hey, it is good to be with you. It's awesome to just stand in the back and just be part of a room of high schoolers worshiping the Lord. If you and I have not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Dre. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Rocky Peak. That's a very fancy way of saying usually you're going to find me in the other building yelling at the grown-ups. But I am excited to be here this evening. I get to fill in while Tim is still recovering from surgery. He is doing well. He just looks like he lost quite a fight with the inflammation as it goes in. Uh, But I'm excited. We're going to go into our time of teaching this evening. And so if you haven't done so yet, there's these little tables in front of you. they got a message note sheet, which is going to help you be able to follow along, help you be able to take some Hope you'll be able to take some notes during this time. You're going to need your Bibles. You're going to need your abs. We're going to go ahead and jump in. I'm going to pray, so let's get started. Jesus, as I sat back there and was just watching 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade students worshiping you, it just moved my heart because as I look around this room, we are from different places. We go to different schools. We come from different families. We have different passions and different gifts. We've experienced different hurts and different heartaches. And yet here we are in this room united by the same Jesus. And so I pray that what we were feeling and experiencing as we were worshiping, what we're going to experience as we open up your word right now, I pray that we see, our eyes are open to see that that's not just because of this room. That's because of your spirit in us. So everything we get to feel this evening, we get to take it with us because your spirit goes with us. And so Jesus, I often, before I teach, pray the words of John the Baptist, my hero in the word when he said, I, as the speaker, need to become less. And you, as King Jesus, need to become much, much more. And that's my prayer for us this evening. And it's in your name, King Jesus, we all sit. Amen. Revolution, some of you know me, a lot of you don't. So a couple, one key thing to know about me is I am very passionate about a little thing called Star Wars. I have grown up with Star Wars. In particular, thank you for those woos. In particular, one of the things that I love is the original trilogy. What I would be so bold to say, the good trilogy, but the original trilogy of Star Wars. But what happened, what was interesting to me is how I fell in love with Star Wars in the first place. It may be hard to imagine this, especially with how good I look, but I'm 40 years old. And so when I was growing up, it was in the dark ages when nobody really talked about Star Wars. There was no Galaxies as a Digiland. There was no Clone Wars. There was no soundtracks. There were no this. Nobody around me had ever seen it. And so I had never seen it. I was about nine or ten years old, and I was at home, and I was watching cable TV, and The Empire Strikes Back, the second of the original trilogy, came on. And in my head, I went, oh, My older brother has talked about this thing. I wonder what this is. And I remember watching it, and I was just floored. 
It was like anything, nothing I had ever seen before in my life. And so I watched the entirety of The Empire Strikes Back. And as soon as I ended, I remember darting upstairs. My parents were watching TV in the room, and I burst through the door. You know a kid that is so excited about something? They don't give you context. They just start talking. And I remember just bursting in, oh, my gosh, Chewbacca, and he's Luke's dad, and there's Carbonite and a Millennium Falcon, and they're staring at me like I'm insane. But I remember they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, I just watched The Empire Strikes Back. I just watched Star Wars. And I started telling them more and more about it. And I remember my mom said something. She just smiles and she looks at me and goes, well, are you going to watch the next one? And I just pause and like a cartoon, the jaw hits the ground. I remember I just looked at her and went, wait, there's more? Because to me, I thought that was it. I thought The Empire Strikes Back was the Star Wars. I thought that was it, and I had accomplished it. And my mom said, no, 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 there's another one. In fact, there's two other ones. I watched the middle ones, and I was like, how do I see the other one? She's like, oh, it's playing right now, and I just bolted out of that room and watched The Return of the Jedi. And the reason I share that is, again, for me, I would have been happy if that was it. But then to find out that there was more to experience That blew my mind. And the reason why I open with this illustration this evening is because for many of us, that's how we tend to approach God. For many of us, we have this image or this idea of God. Maybe we have an experience with God. Some of us, maybe we've grown up in a household where God and church and the Bible was a very normal thing. Maybe some of you were like me. I didn't grow up in that household. I got invited to this church when I was 15 years old. And all of this was kind of new, but I kind of had this image of Jesus in my head. But the reality is, what I want to say this evening is if I ask you to picture your image of Jesus, picture your image of God, picture your image of what it means to be a Christ follower, what I want to tell you right now is whatever your image is, there is more. And not necessarily in a bad way. See, there's some of us here that we've honestly been growing up with Jesus. But we're kind of like, do I buy into this? I have questions and doubts. I kind of see things that are being said in the world around us. And if that's you, awesome. This is a good place to wrestle with that. For some of us, maybe we're at a place where we're hungry. Maybe we came off of a winter camp experience or a life group experience. Maybe something like what Tim has been teaching on has really just been clicking and growing with us and we're hungry and wanting to know more about Jesus and the truth is for you, there's more. You know, in the New Testament, one of the letters in the New Testament is the letter to the Ephesians. The Apostle Paul writes, and what he does often as he writes these letters is he talks about these churches that he's writing to. And sometimes he doesn't have the best things to say. And sometimes he's encouraging them. And in Ephesians chapter 1, he's writing to this church and he's saying, I've heard wonderful things about you. I've heard that you're growing. I've heard that you're hungry for God. And then he prays for them. And what he prays is, I want you to experience more even though they were mature, even though they were growing, his prayer was, I want you to experience more. And that's the whole purpose of revolution. 
We gather in this room every week. Many of you gather in your life groups every Wednesday so that together we can learn how to experience more so that then one-on-one when you're not in this room, when you're not in your life group, you can learn what it's like to experience more in your everyday life when it comes to Jesus. And one of the tools that we do that is these times of teaching. And so if you're here for the very first time, I'm going to be closing out the series that Tim has been in for the last several weeks from the book of, from the book of James in the New Testament called Live It Out. And so if you've got your Bibles, open them up to the book of James. You've got your apps, turn them on. If you come to Revolution regularly, I want to encourage you to be bringing a Bible. Because it's one thing to hear us talk about it, but there's a beauty in seeing it for yourself with your own eyes. And so whether a physical Bible, if you want to go old school, or the YouVersion Bible app, Y-O-U, YouVersion, you can get it on Google or uh, Apple, the Apple App Store. It's free and it's an awesome tool. But what I love about the book of James, as you guys are turning there, is that the book of James is very practical. The idea behind the book of James is that our faith, meaning believing in Jesus, isn't just meant to be in this one room or this one service or this one life group, but believing in Jesus is meant to be, like the title says, lived out. It's one thing to have this head knowledge. It's another thing to actually put it into practice and to live it out. And so the entire book of James is devoted to what I was just talking about, experiencing more. Hey, there's more to you now. Now, James, as some of you have been hearing Tim talked about, the author of this letter is the half-brother of Jesus. And what I love about James is that he grew up with Jesus. He witnessed all the Jesus-y things, and he didn't believe in him. He didn't believe in the guy. Something happened after Jesus' resurrection that led James to believe in him, but as he was witnessing it, he doubted, he struggled, he wrestled, he wanted to do his own thing. Do you know what that makes me do? It makes me love James. You know why? Because he's a normal person. And here he is writing to normal people, going, there's going to be times when you doubt. There's going to be times when you wrestle. There's going to be times when you don't understand. There's going to be times when Jesus is going to be right in front of you, and you're going to go, nah. And he's saying, I got you. I know what that's like. But hear me, there's more. So that's what I love about the book of James. And so we're going to be going to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Now, one thing as we're learning to use our Bibles, this is a little bit of just how the Bible is put together, is that sometimes the Bible can seemingly be hard to understand. And so there's a lot of different ways to learn how to understand the Bible. And one of them is to learn how to read the Bible. Now, that's more than just seeing words on the page. We need to learn how to read the Bible and understand that the Bible isn't a book. The Bible is actually a library of different books with different genres. And why that's important is you read different genres differently. If you were to go to your school libraries and pull out a history book and pull out a poetry book, you know that you need to read those differently, right? And so that's what helps to understand the Bible is knowing the genres we're reading helps us know how we're supposed to understand it. So James, we call it a book, but it's genre, it's a letter, So this is like if you were writing a letter to someone. So James is writing a letter to Christ followers after Jesus, and he wants to tell us that there's more, and that's what he's been doing. So hear it as a letter written to you. So James chapter 5, I'm going to be reading it off my app. 
starting at verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing a song of praise. That's another way of saying pray. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders, that would be leaders of the church, to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now let's stop right there. So James is actually inviting us to experience more in a couple of different ways. One, he's inviting us to experience more in the whole point of his letter that if you've given your life to Jesus, you now belong to something bigger. Now let's pause and think about that word belong for a moment, right? Ever since we were young, we've kind of had this inborn desire to belong to something, right? We've always wanted to belong to a group, belong to a team, belong to a family. Some of us have experienced some of that. Some of us have been let down in the pursuit of that. And so James is reminding you, if you have given your life to Jesus, you now belong to a much bigger story. And he's reminding us throughout this letter, take pride in that. Enjoy that. You are now part of something bigger. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass or put anybody on the spot. But have you ever been like, I enjoy the group of friends that I have so much that you named yourselves? Like, did you have like a group chat that has like a certain name or something for like a group of friends? Oh, now I got you. Now you're kind of going, we're like, oh, this is who we are. This is the squad. This is what's going on. I've got a group chat right now with a couple of friends called the Main Event Mafia. And we are proud of that. And we go in. But why do we do things like that? Because we belong to something. It's a way to be like, oh, I'm part of that. It's like an athlete wearing a letterman. It's like somebody putting a bumper sticker on the thing going, hey, I'm a fan of this team or something going on, we have this desire to belong. And James is going, remember the point of this letter. I'm writing it to you to remind you because of Jesus, you now belong to his kingdom. And because we now belong to his kingdom, things are different than how they are for the rest of the world. And so he goes on to say, hey, now there's more when it comes to prayer. Now, prayer sounds like the most basic of religious things, doesn't it? And yet prayer is often one of the most confusing and intimidating of those, quote, religious things. Again, nobody raise your hand, but there are a lot of you in this room that if I called you up and said, would you pray for us, you probably would rather die. If my kids, who are young elementary kids, walked up to you and said, hey, can you tell me what is prayer? How would you answer that? Just think about it. If my kids are earnestly just going, hey, what is prayer? What's it for? What does it do? How do you answer that question? When do you pray? Why do you pray? How do you pray? And again, we're starting to think of how we approach prayer. There's a lot of us. Think about your first exposure of prayer, right? And I'm not trying to poke fun at anything. I'm just trying to bring some reality to it. There's a lot of us have been taught prayer like this, right? Dear Jesus, thank you for the food. 
And that's a good introduction, right? There's a lot of us that when we think of prayer, we think of certain moments in which, for lack of a better term, it's appropriate to pray, right? Before a meal, we pray at church because somebody does that. We pray before religious things. There are some people that when you think of prayer, you think of like the Santa wish list. I pray because I'm asking for something. It could be good things. Hey, I pray that this person doesn't die. It could be, hey, could you give me a car? Could it be this or could it be that? We pray because we're in need of something. There are some of us that we know we pray because there's an emergency. We're scared. I hear something outside. I'm going to pray. There is a burglar. I'm going to pray. There is an earthquake. I'm going to pray. There is some tragedy. I am going to pray. There's some of us that when we think of prayer, we think, of, okay, there are like special words we're supposed to use so God hears us, right? We need to use the words like, have you ever noticed sometimes people pray and they sound way different than how they sound in normal life? And we sit there and go, okay, I got to like, hallelujah, you know, like, shalom, the spirit of the Lord, like going in. There's a posture to prayer, right? If your eyes are open in any way, shape, or form, God doesn't hear it. If your hands are moving in any way, shape, or form, God is against it. You know, like you have failed prayer. We think these things, don't we? So James, in other words, as he's writing this, he's going, church, take a breath. We need a bigger view of prayer. And the very first thing that he does is, did you notice that he gives us examples of when to pray And those examples have nothing to do with this room. Those examples have everything to do with everyday life. And so James is telling us there is more to prayer, and it starts with the fact that prayer is not limited to a church experience. But prayer is meant to be the foundation of our everyday life. Lives. And in fact, I want to give you a definition for those of you that are writing notes down. I asked you, what would you say to my kids if they asked you what prayer is? This is what I tell my children. Prayer is communicating with a present Jesus. Prayer is communicating with a present Jesus. And why that matters is because that's what Jesus did for us through his death and resurrection. Before Jesus' cross, we did not have access to God because of our sins. Only one person, this high priest, could go before God's presence on our behalf, but we couldn't do that on our own. We could maybe get outside the building where that happened, but that's the closest we could get. When Jesus died, he said, it is finished. The biggest thing that was finished is us being separated from God. Now, because of Jesus, you have access to God anywhere and at all times. And that's what prayer is all about. God is not stuck in this room. God is not stuck in my voice or Tim's voice as a leader. God has made the way. Jesus has made the way for you wherever you're at and whatever you're experiencing to pray. For some of us, school is the farthest place from God we can imagine. And you have the ability to bring God there through prayer. For some of you, your family is the hardest thing you experience each and every day. 
And through prayer, you have the ability to be reminded that Jesus is there. For some of you, you are experiencing some beauty and success right now. And in the midst of that, you have the experience to bring God there. You can bring God to your jobs. You can bring God to Starbucks, to Target, wherever it is. That's what prayer is all about. But not only is it about bringing God places, it's about us deepening our relationship with him. How did your best friends become your best friends? Because you talk to them. It doesn't work any other way. I've been married for 17 years. If I went up to my wife and go, here's how this was going to work. I love you, and I want to get a, grow a deeper relationship with you. And how we're going to do that is every Wednesday night from 7.30 to 7.35, that's when we talk. That's when we get to know each other because there's other things I need to do. And so those windows, that's when we're going to connect. We're not going to have a very good relationship, are we? And so if prayer is only Saturday nights when Tim does it for us, we're not going to get too deep. If prayer is only Saturday night when Tim does it, and then Wednesday night when my life group leader does it, we're not going to get too deep. Being able to communicate is what deepens this what deepens our relationship with God wherever it is we go. And so here's the beautiful thing that James is reminding us. This is what you are invited into. And so let's go back to that passage real quick. He's giving us a new paradigm. Verse 13, if any one of you is in trouble. So one thing to know about the Bible, the Bible wasn't written in English. The Bible, the Old Testament, is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. The New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And so the Greek word that we translated to trouble means misfortune. It means light. It means if you're experiencing a hard season of life. Hey, there's a lot of us in this room that are trying to figure out what we believe about the Bible. One thing that I want to pro propose is say what you will about the Bible, but the Bible is honest. And so when the Bible writes about something like this, it's honest about life. Life is going to suck sometimes. Some of you might raise your hand and be like, no, it sucks right now. Yeah, that's life, unfortunately. And so the Bible is saying, if you are experiencing one of those seasons or one of those hardships, pray. Pray. Pray for that. Pray against it. Pray to see Jesus in it. And so what is it inviting us? It's inviting us to pray in trouble so that we see we're not alone. How many of you ever been to something like Halloween Horror Nights or Not Scary Farm or something like, you know, not like the pumpkin patch or anything like that? I will never go because I don't like being scared. I don't like paying for that experience, right? But when you go and you do it, you're likely not going to be by yourself, right? Because there's safety in numbers and you could probably outrun somebody that you're with. And so that's the category you go in. When we're going through something hard, one of the worst feelings is feeling like we're by ourselves. James is reminding us, no, 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 you're not by yourself, Christian. There's more. And when you pray, that reminds you that you're not alone. Let me give you an example. My daughter, my middle child, when she was born, Right after she was born, there was something going on with Megan, my wife, and she was hemorrhaging, bleeding, and so she needed to go and have, like, a surgery that was unexpected within the same day. She's okay. Everything was good. We never were worried about her dying, but it was still really scary. 
And so when they wheel her into surgery, it's about like one in the morning at this point. And I'm behind the doors as the doors close, and I'm in an empty hallway by myself. And I remember I sat down, and they told me they would come get me in 20 minutes, and that was the longest 20 minutes of my life. But I remember words like this, and I remember just sitting like this with my hands clenched, and I remember specifically what I prayed. I remember praying, Jesus, thank you that I'm not alone in this moment right now. That's what James is reminding us through that. And so he's reminding us there's more to prayer. Prayer when you're in trouble. The next thing, is any of you sick? Call the elders over to pray for them. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And again, this is what's interesting. When you dig into the Greek, we don't think he's actually talking about physical ailments. We think he's talking about heart issues. Meaning, how's your sin? How's your character? How's your growth? And this matters. In fact, there was a point in Jesus' life when, these, when this paralytic, this paralyzed man, his friends, and these are good friends, dig a hole in a roof to get to Jesus. They bring him to Jesus for him to heal him. And the first thing Jesus does is not heal his body. He goes, your sins are forgiven. And if you were one of those friends, I would be amazingly confused going, that's not what we came for. And Jesus was making a point. I know he has a bigger problem, and that problem's sin. And so that's what this is talking about. So the second invitation is we pray when we're sick with sin. And when we give our lives to Jesus, we experience forgiveness. But the truth is we always have this tug to sin, and we mess up at times. And so it's reminding us to pray for it. But not only that, it's reminding us to pray for other people as well. That's what life group is all about. That's what being community is all about. It's an amazing thing. And then if you go down, verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another, that's the heart check, and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So you want to really blow your minds tonight in what James is saying? If you're a Christ follower, righteous person is talking about you. Now here's something, hear me very clearly on this. It is not saying you are perfect. Sometimes in culture we hear the term self-righteous. That's not what we want. Righteous means Jesus is who he says he is. I'm committed to growing more in that. James is reminding you that, hey, because of Jesus, you're a righteous person now because of what he's doing in your life. And sometimes we need to pray to remind ourselves of who we are. Revolution, I don't need to tell you, but the truth is we struggle every day with multiple people, people we know, people we don't know, people in the media, people on our phones that are trying to tell you who you are, huh? First and foremost, there's a whole other message here. You are more than an algorithm. But that algorithm is working in overtime to try to tell you who you are. You are more than what your peers at school want you to be. You are more than these cultural expectations, which frankly are way too low. You are more, but there are people every day that are trying to tell you who you are and who you should be. And whatever they're trying to tell you is rooted in the fact that you need to earn it so that we like you. Every day I walk my kids into school. And before they go in, and some of you have heard me say this before, I remind them, they don't get to tell you who you are. 
Only Jesus tells you who you are. And so one of the most powerful things we can pray is God, remind me who I am. And when he reminds you, he reminds you that you are his son and daughter. You are loved. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to somehow work for it, but he's already done the work and he's there. He reminds you, hey, you have a purpose. He wants to unleash you. He wants to use you in his kingdom. It's amazing. It really is. And then there's another type of prayer. So far, we've seen that James is saying, hey, we pray to experience, we pray when we're in trouble. We pray for those that, for ourselves and others that need a heart check. We pray to remember who we are and we pray to celebrate. One of the biggest bummers about a small view of prayer is that we think prayer is just for the bad stuff. Prayer is awesome. Think about the fact that God made you to be passionate and celebrate things. Remember I shared with you that story about me running up to the room. Have you ever experienced somebody just talking about something that they're excited about? Do you remember the last time you just went off on someone because you experienced like this incredible donut or like an incredible movie or like you heard a song that was just perfection or your team actually accomplished something which mine did not? Something like that. Have you ever just gone and been like, I am so, have you ever been with a group of friends and the topic that you love just comes up and you're like, I'm in. Let me start talking and sharing and celebrating about that. That is a gift, right? And we have the opportunity to practice that in prayer as well. Sometimes we think prayer has to be this dour and this gloomy and this going, God, life sucks, I suck. Okay, can you help me with that? And sometimes there's a part of that, but there's a time when we go, God, You're awesome. This is awesome. It's why we worship the way we do. That's prayer. And we get to do that outside of this building. We get to do that wherever we are. We get to choose to remember, hey, there is a lot to celebrate. If you go back to your passage, I love verse 17. Elijah, this is one of the prophets from the Old Testament. This is the guy that didn't die, but was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire, which is a cool story. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gained rain, and the earth produced its crops. So let me stop right there again. Go to verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Let's stop right there. James is trying to make something very, very clear. That dude was a dude. He's dead. He didn't have these superpowers. He was just like us. And so what Elijah was invited to do in prayer, you're invited to do in prayer. James is saying Elijah prayed and things happened. And so James isn't saying, hey, when you're in high school, if you learn how to do this, things will start happening when you're a grown-up. Or things will start happening when you get your act together. Things will start happening when you know everything there is to know about the Bible or you memorize this. No, no, no. James is saying, hey, do you love Jesus? Because he loves you. And because of that, his spirit in you gives you everything Elijah had. And so Elijah prayed 
and you're invited to pray too. And so Elijah prayed for rain, for hope, for goodness, for righteousness. And so can you. Man, for some of you, like I keep going back to like, I know school's a war zone. We've got the spirit of God in you like Elijah did. And what would happen to your schools if you started praying for it? If you started praying for a spiritual reign in your schools? Hey, for some of you home, my heart breaks. What would happen if you started praying? What would happen if you started unleashing other people like your life group to pray for your school, to pray for your home? For some of you, it's your heart that's a mess. But what happens if you started praying? If you started unleashing other people to pray? For some of you, you're in a season of celebrating. What would happen if you continue to pray in that celebration? If you invited other people to pray with you in that? James is telling us what would happen is more. And so let me wrap things up. And Anna Glory, I skipped some of my pictures, which is fine. Let me wrap things up. So how do we do that? simple. We can just start talking. I think one of the reasons why so many of us don't pray is we're afraid we're going to mess it up. And notice James is saying, hey, just pray in all circumstances. And so let me give you some very practical tips. This is not the way to do it. This is a good way to start. There are some of you that have a great prayer rhythm. If you do, keep it up. But for some of you that need a starting point, here's what I would say. First, what I would do is I would pick a specific time of day. I would pick morning or I would pick evening as a starting point. Don't let it end here, but as a starting point. And I would specifically pick one of those where you're kind of more at your best and give yourself 10 minutes. Put a timer if you need to, but give yourself 10 minutes in which you're going to pray. And then the question is, so what do I say? Talk like you talk. You don't need to talk out loud. You can talk in your head. God's God, you know, as, we, as he does that. But if you're wondering, well, what do I say? Start talking to God about your day. What are you going to experience that day? And through that, what are you hoping for? What are you nervous about? What are you seeing in your day that's just going to bore you out of your mind? What are you excited about in your day? What hurts? What are you afraid of? What are you sad about? And it doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to sound polished. It just has to be real. And for some of you, we, we might often, in um, the years I've been leading ministries, people are like, well, aren't I supposed to say things more exciting? I mean, I'm talking to God. Isn't this supposed to be this, supposed to be that? Hey, God is a good, good father. My kids love to tell me about nonsense. I know my youngest son's like six top favorite lizards and facts about them. Is that going to advance my life? No. But every time he wants to tell me that, I want to hear it because I'm his dad and he's my son. And anything he wants to tell me, I want to make the time for God is there to hear anything you have to say, whether it's exciting or not. We just start talking for a little bit. And so what I want to do is I wrap things up. A couple of things I want to kind of invite you to do. One, 
if you and I have met before after service, I'm just going to be at the back. I would love to say hi. If you and I have not met, I would love to introduce myself and say hi. Secondly, one of my favorite things as a teacher in our worship service is the 11 o'clock service because I look out and I see a bunch of you. And so for those of you that do that regularly, I love that you're there. For those of you that have yet to do that, I want to invite you to go. And the reason why that means a lot to me is I came to the Lord in this room when I was 15 years old. And my high school pastor once told us, hey, if you want to grow, know that you have a bigger family than this room and, told, and invited us to start going as well in addition. So when I was 15, I started coming to Revolution. It wasn't called that then. I started coming to Revolution and I was going over there and it was a beautiful thing. And so again, I would love to see you over there. So I'd love to meet you. I'd love to answer any questions you have, not because I'm going to have all the answers, but because it's a safe place to ask. But I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up and I'm going to close in prayer. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and wherever you're at to just close your eyes, bow your heads. And this isn't because there's a magical posture to this. It just keeps us from distractions. That's the science behind it. So if you do me a favor, you would just close your eyes, if you would bow your heads a little bit, even if you're just not, not feeling it, not into what I'm talking about, that's fine. Just out of respect for the people around you. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? And I'm going to pray for us, but before I do, I'm just going to give you a few moments in silence, just in your heads, to talk to God about whatever you want to say. But I want to give you an opportunity. You heard me talk about this, but I want to give you an opportunity to engage in it. Maybe there's something already in your heart you want to say. Maybe you want it, maybe you need it to be like, God, I really don't know what to say right now. That's okay. Maybe you want to pray for someone in particular, maybe a family member or a friend. Maybe you want to pray for a place. Maybe you want to pray for revolution and what God is doing here. Maybe you want to pray for your school. Maybe you want to pray for something going on in your household. Whatever it is, maybe you just want to tell God a story of something that happened in your Saturday morning. Whatever it is, I just want to give you an opportunity right now just to sit in silence as a group, but go ahead and pray and then I'll close us in prayer. Go ahead and pray to God. Jesus, because of you, we get to pray. <laughs> because of you, we get to talk to God the Father. Wherever, whenever. Because of you, we get to talk to God and we don't have to be polished. We don't have to have the right words or the right posture. We can be honest about what's going on in our lives. We can be honest in our emotions. We can go to God in prayer and smile and celebrate. We can go to God in prayer and anger and tears and heartbreak. We can go to God and say, God, I don't get you sometimes. And you invite us all. Because of you, Jesus, we get to talk to God, not just in this room, but wherever we are in our bedrooms, in our living rooms at Target, at Starbucks, or for those coffee bean weirdos. Because of you, we get to be reminded that when we talk to you, it's because you're there. And the more we do it, the more we're going to realize you really are here. 
You are there in my heartbreak. You are there in my celebration. You are there as in in passing period. You are there in this family hardship. You are there. And so if we want to grow in that, if we want to experience more in prayer, (laughs) beautifully, it just means we just got to do it. Thank you that you've allowed us to that you've invited us to, that James is reminding us there's more to this. And so as we sing this last song, that's what these worship songs are. They're prayers to music because what we're doing is we're celebrating and declaring, Jesus, you are here. And when we're done, we're gonna take you out of this room with us. And so as we sing this last song, let it be just a joyful prayer from our hearts. Jesus, I love these high schoolers, whether I know them or not, but that's never gonna come close to how much you love them. And through prayer, remind them that of that this evening. It's in your name, King Jesus, we all said, amen. Let's stand and sing together, Revolution.